I don't know who that was, but you have to come back every week, <laughs> whoever that kid was that said that, amen. And we want that to spread. <laughs> so I'm Eric. I'm one of the pastors here at Chapel Roswell. I want to add my welcome to Val's and uh, just say to kick off this series, there's power in a good question. You know, whether you're a teacher or a student, a parent or a child, somebody interviewing for a job or interviewing someone for a job, a good question can unlock information, understanding, answers. And that's one of the things I think that makes Jesus still such a compelling figure in our world today for Christians and non-Christians is his ability to ask good questions. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to have a look at four of these good questions that Jesus asked. And I do think, uh, whether you're a Christian or not, that this will be helpful, thought-provoking, maybe even meaningful for you. Because there's power in a good question. And the first good question that we're going to look at that Jesus asked is actually, according to the Gospel of John, the first question he ever asked. And it's, what are you looking for? So just to give you a little context before I read the part of the story, we're in the very beginning, the first chapter of the Gospel of John, one of the first four books of the New Testament. These are the books that tell the story of Jesus' life and his teaching and his ministry and so in the first chapter of John, we hear about another John. So just so we don't get them confused, the author, his name is John, and the story that he's telling is about John, but it's about a different John. Sufficiently confused. So we got two Johns, but the author, the writer of this book, John, is telling us about or introducing someone to us, John the baptizer. Somebody, some people call him John the Baptist, but we're Methodists, so we call him John the baptizer. I'm kidding. A little. <laughs> kind of like how in Athens and at the University of Georgia, when we talk about that other college that's in Atlanta, we call it the North Avenue Trade School. You know, we don't, that's the name that we use. And so we call John, John the baptizer. But anyway, uh, the story in the Gospel of John, it introduces us to John the baptizer. Just go with me on that. It'll sink in after a while. It'll feel natural. Um, and, and his ministry was he was calling people, uh, Jews, people of his same faith tradition, to repent and to prepare their hearts, their lives, to receive the Messiah, the Christ that had been prophesied to them for hundreds of years because he knew that this person was coming. And so he called people to repent. And as a part of that call, he would baptize them in the river. It, it's symbolic as, as a way of being cleansed. Not unlike the priests would have washed their hands and washed themselves ceremonially to be cleansed before they went into the temple. John was baptizing people, calling them to be cleansed, to repent and prepare for the arrival of the Messiah. And in fact, John even says things like, I know that he's coming, but I'm not exactly sure how or when. 
And if you read the story about John's birth and about Jesus' birth, remember that uh, their mothers were relatives. So John and Jesus were kind of like cousins to some extent. And so John had some sense of what was happening and what God was doing and who Jesus was and who Jesus would be. And so he was preparing people for the arrival of Jesus, pointing people to someone and to something that God was doing. And so then we come to a point in the story where John's disciples, the people who were following John, listening to his teachings, he points them to Jesus when he sees him. And that's what I want to read, just these few verses where that happens, because this is when Jesus asks this good question. And so this is John chapter 1, verses 35 through 38. And this is what it says. The next day, John was standing again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus walking along, he said, look, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what he said, and they followed Jesus. And when Jesus turned and saw them following, he asked, what are you looking for? Such a good question. What are you looking for? Now, that kind of question can be simple. Like I think about in our house, my wife has the uncanny ability to know if you have lost something and are looking for something. No matter where you are in the house and no matter where she is in the house, you just hear this voice call out, what do you need? What are you looking for? And, and without even having to move from where she is to where you are, she can tell you where it is. Look on your dresser, beside your laundry, between the book and your glasses, and it's right there. Wow. How did you do that? She just has that ability to ask that question and help find the answer. So sometimes that question can be simple. Sometimes it can be deeper. I think about conversations I've had more than once with people who say something to me like, you know, I'm not getting any older. I'm not getting any younger. I'm getting, <laughs> getting older. We don't get far in the conversation. They say, I'm not getting any younger, and I'm single, and I'm concerned. Am I going to find someone for me? And I, so I ask, well, what are you looking for? And usually that opens up a dialogue about, you know, what, what matters most to you in life? Do you have any non-negotiables in a relationship? What, what inspires and attracts you? What do you have to offer? So sometimes this question, what are you looking for, can be deep. It's a good question. What are you looking for? You know, Jesus asked this question more than once, actually. Um, in this story, he asked it, and in other occasions, he asked a question related to it, similar to it as well. He would say, who are you looking for? He asked it of the guards the night that they came to arrest him for him to be tried and eventually crucified and buried. He asked them, who are you looking for? He asked it of the women who came to his tomb on the third day to prepare his body ceremonial, ceremonially for his burial. Who are you looking for? 
God asks a similar question as well in the very beginning to Adam and Eve. After they had sinned against God, eaten of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they went and hid, God came looking for them and said, where are you? Think about it. Where are you? Who are you looking for? What are you looking for? It's a question that gets to intention and identity, desire and direction. In the case of Jesus, when he's asking, what are you looking for? He's saying it to two people who've been pointed in his direction. And, and when he asks it to them, we get a very real sense that this is an open-ended question. And you know what I mean, the difference between an open-ended question and, and a question that has, you know, one exact response. We've all taken tests that have those different kinds of questions on them. The ones that there's one right answer. Maybe it's multiple choice or it's a math problem and you either get the right answer or you don't. But then there are also those questions that just ask you to expound on a topic or discuss or interpret or explain and much more open-ended, not necessarily one correct answer, but it's more about your perspective or your experience or your understanding. And this is the kind of question that Jesus asked, this open-ended question to these two followers, these learners, these disciples. He says, what are you looking for? It's kind of like he just stops them for a second and holds a mirror up for them, you know. Well, they have to look at themselves or look inside themselves and think, what am I looking for? And actually, there's a, a different analogy that um, an author that I've been reading, he's got a book called Jesus is the Question. His name's Martin Copenhaver, and um, he uses a different analogy than the mirror. He uses the analogy of the refrigerator, because we've all been to this place, too, where you're hungry, right? And so you go to the refrigerator, and you open it up, and you freeze. <laughs> With the door open, which our mothers told us not to do, and what do, you, what do you want? What are you going to eat? There's fruit and there's leftovers and there's the stuff to make a sandwich. And there's juice. Maybe just drink some juice. Or there's whatever that stuff is back in the bottom right-hand corner. And then we just stand there. Wondering, what, what do I want? What am I looking for in here? Has anybody ever just said, ah, oh, forget it. Shut the refrigerator and just walk away. But actually what Copenhaver says about that, he says, many of us spend our lives like that. With indistinct longings, we don't know how to satisfy. We yearn for something and we don't know what. We try a bit of this and of that for a time, or perhaps only in our imaginations, but nothing is quite right or enough to satisfy. You can never get enough of something that doesn't satisfy. So often, we don't know what we want, and then we're disappointed when we don't get it. So Jesus asks us, what are you looking for? 
you know, the answer he got from those two disciples, they said, Rabbi, if you read on, they say, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you going? So in that moment, they're engaging, acknowledging with him that he's a teacher and they want to learn from him. And not just right then, tell us something, answer a question for us, but where are you going? We'll go with you. We want to go your way and learn from you. In fact, if you read on, you find out that one of those two disciples that had been following John and is now following Jesus was Andrew, one of the first 12 disciples, the apostles. And the same Andrew who goes the next day and gets his brother, Peter, and says, Peter, you got to come meet this guy. And Peter joins in. This is the same Peter who's written some of the books in the New Testament, the Peter who walked on the water, the Peter who God or Jesus said, you are a rock and, and I'm going to build a church on you. Andrew and Peter, and they're responding to this question, what are you looking for, became part of the foundation of this movement of Jesus that has changed the world. And Jesus asked them, what are you looking for? We get a hint that their answer, because it's what sent them to follow him in the first place. Because John the baptizer, see I told you, it's, it's sinking in already, told them. He said, look. Some translations say, behold, the Lamb of God. And so we get an inclination about their answer of what they were looking for. They were looking for the Lamb of God who they had been told would come to take away the sins of the world. To set everything back right in their world, in their town, in their home, in them. Behold, the Lamb of God. And the Lamb of God is Jesus. And He's here. In our world. In our town. In our home. And in us. And He asks the question of all of us. What are you looking for? It makes me think about the words of a modern-day theologian, Bono. Uh, <laughs> who sings, I believe in the kingdom come When all the colors will bleed into one Bleed into one Yes, I'm still running. You broke the bonds and you loose the chains. Carried the cross of my shame. Oh, my shame. You know I believe. You know it? But I still haven't found what I'm looking for but I still have
haven't found what I'm looking for. Have you found what you're looking for? Do you know what you're looking for? Deep down, where it matters most, beyond the stuff of everyday life that we deal with and chase after. Jesus said, the answer is right here in front of us. Behold, the Lamb of God. What are you looking for? Are you looking for peace as you go off to school or back to school? Are you looking for clarity, direction in a relationship or a situation or for your life? Are you looking for forgiveness? To be set free of whatever that is that you've been carrying and has bound you up for so long, too long. Are you looking for healing to be made whole and new, to be put back together? To have life, full, real life. Are you looking for acceptance and inclusion? To be welcomed home where you belong. Jesus asks us all, what are you looking for? What we wanted to do with the rest of the time is for us to take a few minutes and consider that question for ourselves. Maybe even jot down some notes. So in every pew, in every row, there's some old school composition notebooks. Will you, will you make sure everybody has one, please? And there's also jars with number two pencils, because those are the only ones the Scantron will read. That was a joke. Will you just, if everybody gets a notebook and a pencil... This, we didn't want to give shudders to all the students. I apologize if this gives you a twitch. <laughs> or people who have memories of school and survived. But we just thought we'd go with the back to school thing. I mean, you're either back in school or headed that direction or know somebody who is. So, um, so what we're going to do is take a few minutes in just a minute. We'll have some music playing. And the invitation to you is to spend a few minutes with God, with Jesus. Could you put yourself on the road? And you've been looking. And then Jesus turns to you and says, well, what are you looking for? In a very open-ended kind of way, where are you? What do you need? Who are you looking for? What are you looking for? And then we just wanted to give you the opportunity to express that, to write it down. That's yours to keep. We're not taking it. We don't leave it. And in fact, that book, maybe you can keep it with you for the next month because we'll be in here every Sunday looking at these good questions that Jesus asked 
or maybe it'll serve a purpose for you even beyond that. So, so that's yours. But the first page there behind the logo stamps, just if you want to spend a few minutes and think how you would respond to that question, what are you looking for? And then after we've had time to do that together, then we'll finish our time together singing a song. And um, so the band will lead us. And, and also when we're singing that song, just so you know, that's when we invite people to give their offering. Uh, if you've brought an offering to give or if you want to give um, your tithe or your offering, that's an important part of this act of worshiping God together is giving back to God some of what God has given to us. Uh, and it's a way that we continue to place our trust and faith in God to provide. And we participate in the work that God is doing in our world and in our community right now as God continues to ask and answer this question for everybody, not just us in the room, but for everybody everywhere. What are you looking for? So these are the ways that you can give. Um, before you leave this morning, take a minute and do that and let that be an act of your worship of God. But I'm going to ask you if we could pray together. We'll pray over our answers to this good question, over the offering that we give, not just for us, but for everyone. God, we are so thankful for Jesus and his wisdom that he asks such good questions like this one. What are you looking for? And we're just as thankful that Jesus embodies the answer to that question as the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world, to give sight to the blind, to set the captives free. Oh God, may that be our answer. And so as we think and write, and then as we sing and give, we ask your blessing for it all. That you would do the holy thing you do that only you can do. And this is our prayer together in Jesus' name. Amen.